Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. The Raven is released weekly and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want ad-free listening and early access to next week's episode, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus. For more information, check out tenderfootplus.com. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to The Raven, a production of Tenderfoot TV in association with Odyssey. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the podcast. This podcast also contains subject matter, which may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, my experience was not good. There was things that happened that were put on my dad that shouldn't have been put on him. For months, I've been trying to reach limo driver Dwayne Fassett. I've dialed countless numbers and gotten nowhere. So I started searching for family members and eventually connected with Fassett's daughter. My dad is a straight shooter, and even though he's my dad, he's a great guy. Did he have his, you know, downfalls? Of course. I think this is why it bothers me so much, is because he had to say and not say stuff that he felt like he had to say. And do you think that affected him mentally in a very profound way? Oh, yeah. Our family broke down after that. And I know my family's going to be mad that I'm even saying this, like if you put this out there or whatever. This is the defining moment of when everything went wrong with Dad. Like he had so much guilt of what he was supposed to say, what he should say, what he shouldn't say, what he wanted to say. I remember being home because they wouldn't let me go to Atlanta. And looking at him on the stand, I'm like, that's not my dad. Like, why is he looking like that? Why is he saying that? Dwayne Fassett was never the same after witnessing the stabbings, and the trauma extended well beyond him. Fassett's night in Atlanta affected his whole family and continues to affect them over two decades later. Um, he had a stroke, a massive stroke. But like I said, that was the beginning of our family not being, you know, our family. And that's why I'm so geared out about talking about it, because I never talk about it. We had death threats. Police were at our house. They used to follow me to work. And he didn't even say anything bad about Ray. And my my family was still friends with the Lewis family. I'm like, I'm not understanding why. I'm not saying Ray did what he was on trial for. I'm just saying it could have went differently. Or he could have said something. He just left it up to my dad to take it all.
Tenderfoot TV. I'm Tim Livingston, and this is The Raven. Episode 6, Should Have Stayed Home, Went Fishing. You're about to hear a reading of the statement Dwayne Fassett gave to Assistant DA Clint Rucker hours after witnessing the double homicide in Atlanta. The voice belongs to an actor. The words are real. Outside of the lawyers and investigators in this case, nobody has ever heard this statement. Fassett was the most important witness in this case, and his story in the stand was very different from what you're about to hear. As you listen, please imagine that you're a member of the jury and ask yourself, do you believe him? Fassett refers to Lewis's friends by nicknames. Oakley is Derby, Sweeting is Shorty, and Kwame King is Fedora. Everyone got into the limo except Ray and Derby. The three other men walked past, and when they got to the front of the limo, they started saying something, don't know what it was. Derby started walking towards him, and Ray told him to get back. Shorty and Fedora got out the limo. Shorty and the one guy got into a fight by the tree, and it sounded like he got hit with a bottle. I saw Shorty hit him once in the stomach, and Ray swung at him. The other guy, Derby, took off running after the other guy and caught him at the end of the street. Derby grabbed the guy by the shirt and flipped him in the air. I mean, he literally flipped him in the air, and he landed on the road. Derby started hitting him. Right by them, there was another fight. I'm not sure if it was another fight or if it was the one that started by the tree with Shorty. Ray hollered at him and said, get back in the truck. Shorty and Derby came up the street. Ray came from by the tree, and they all got in the limo, and Ray told me, get out of here. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's start with this. Until Lewis took the stand and testified against Sweeting and Oakley, the prosecution had no witness that detailed the fight from beginning to end. Fassett does that, and it's fair to assume that his account would have been impactful for the jury to hear. Fassett begins by saying that Lewis was attempting to de-escalate the situation, urging Oakley to get back into the limo. Three members of the Akron group were shouting at Oakley as they walked past the car. Then Oakley walked toward them, and the fight started. From there, Fassett says that Lewis, Oakley, Sweeting, and Kwame King got out of the limo to join the brawl. Fassett places Lewis in the fight, saying that the linebacker swung at somebody and then ran back to the limo from the tree. Lewis has repeatedly said that he was not involved in the brawl. His lawyer said that he was not involved. Fassett says in this statement that the linebacker took part in the fight. After listening to Fassett's initial recollection, Assistant DA Clint Rucker asked the limo driver a series of pointed questions. With Rucker's permission, we used AI to recreate his voice. Mr. Fassett, did you ever see anyone in the limo with a weapon? No, sir. I never saw anyone with a weapon. Only thing I did see was the plastic packages that knives come in. Shorty dropped a lot on the ground in front of a club a couple of days before the incident. 
Shortly before the altercation, did you hear anything that would lead you to believe that an altercation was about to occur? There appeared to be an argument as they were walking down the street. Ray had his arm in front of Derby, forcing him backwards towards the limo, telling him to get in the truck and get out of here. Did you ever hear anybody say that they had cut or stabbed anybody else? I heard Derby say, I stabbed him, and Shorty say, I stabbed him too, or worse to that effect, I didn't hear anyone else. Did you hear Ray um, make any comments? Nothing, but let's get out of here. To the best of your knowledge, was anyone else bleeding with the exception of Derby? No. After you parked the vehicle at the Holiday Inn, did you have any other conversation with Ray? Not really. The only thing he said was, I'll call you later to find out about the truck. As of this moment, has Ray called you? Before the police arrived, Ray called me twice about the truck. He asked me, was the tire fixed? Did Ray, Derby, or Shorty ever speak to you about the incident or the victims? No. At any time, did Ray Derby or Shorty express any remorse towards the victims? No, not that I noticed anyway. Immediately following the incident, did anyone express remorse? No, only to get out of there. And Shorty and Derby say that they stabbed someone. How many bodies did you see down on the ground after the incident? Two. Where were the two bodies when you saw them? They were to the right side of the center line of the street. As you rode past the two bodies in the street, were they visible from the limo? Yes, they would have been on the ground to the right of the vehicle. Did you hear Ray, Derby, Shorty, or anyone in the limo express concern or remorse for the victims? No. Did you hear Ray, Derby, Shorty, or anyone in the limo say anything as you were passing the two bodies in the street? Yes, get out of here. That was seconds before the gunshots. How would you describe your relationship with Ray Lewis? I thought we were super close. I think the world of him. How do you feel about giving this statement? It is one of the hardest things that I've had to do. Why did you not tell the police everything the first time you spoke with them? I was afraid. I was so close to them that, in a way, I couldn't believe it happened. I've had these guys so many times before with never so much as an argument. I didn't think that it was serious. I thought it was just a fist fight. They were just punches. I saw Derby flip the kid and I knew it was serious. When you saw Ray swing at the victim, what part of the victim's body did he strike? From the middle of his chest up. Is it possible that he could have struck him lower than you saw? It is possible, but he struck the guy from mid-chest up. Is there anything that you would like to add to this statement? No. 
As a Raven listener, you know the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every case I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. You never know what's out there, which is why Simply Safe can help you establish a sense of control. I love Simply Safe because it is simple. The setup is fast and easy, and it protects your whole home. Sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. Simply Safe is backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than $1 a day. There are no contracts and a 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for fast protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/raven. That's simplysafe.com/raven. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. That's greenlight.com odyssey. Facet, telling his story to Rucker, says that he saw the plastic package that the knives came in. He says that he heard Sweeting Oakley admit to stabbing Lawler and Baker, and then he specifies that Lewis landed a punch in the victim's upper chest. Dwayne Facet's attorney claimed that he was pressured by Atlanta homicide investigators to give a false, inculpatory statement. This is where I'd love to have the tape and listen to the inflection in Facet's voice. Did it sound like there was a gun to his head? Or did this sound real and genuine? Because when Facet got onto the stand, nothing felt genuine. He was petrified. And the jury, the victim's families, and the millions of people following this case around the world got a much different story when Facet, under oath, answered questions from Paul Howard. What did they do as they approached the limousine as you were standing there? Besides verbally arguing, nothing, I guess. All I saw was Ray come up with like that and said, knock the shit off him. I didn't see him throw the punch. I didn't see it land or nothing, but because that's when this down here got, this guy got flipped down here. And that's what caught my attention. Holding a fist over his head, Facet said, I didn't see him throw the punch. I didn't see it land or nothing. So wait a minute, did Facet not see Lewis throw the punch or did he not see Lewis land the punch? If he didn't see Lewis land the punch, did Lewis throw the punch? The limo driver's words should have provoked an immediate reaction from Paul Howard, especially considering the Facet claimed Lewis threw a punch in his original statement. This was the perfect opportunity for Howard to introduce what Facet said to Rucker, but instead, Howard just kept on going. Mr. Fassett, you it indicated when the police initially asked you who was in the limousine and you did not give them any information. Is that correct? Yes. Did you ever change what you said to the police? Yes. And what caused you to change? When they told me that there was two people killed, 
They put the handcuffs on me, put me out in the car. I thought I was being arrested for the crime. They didn't tell me any different. Howard questions Facet for two hours, but gets nowhere. His questions aren't direct or logical. He bounces around and says in the end, a whole lot of nothing. And what uh, do you recall who, if anyone, went with you to that location? And when they got closer to you, what did you see them doing at that time? At the time you were at the closest point, what were they doing at that time? So at that time, how many of the people who were inside the limousine were now outside the limousine? Who in the limousine was any place near that person? And did anything happen after that was done? Longtime ESPN legal analyst Roger Kostick wrote of Howard, if they ever write a book listing the most inept prosecutions ever, this one will be highlighted as the standard by which all others are to be measured. On the other side, you had Ray Lewis's attorneys, Don Samuel and Ed Garland, two men who did not make mistakes. Knowing Howard's inability to impeach Facet had him firmly in the lead. Garland completed his questioning of Facet in less than two minutes. And Ray Lewis didn't do anything to cause, aid, or encourage anyone to stab someone with a knife, did he? No, sir, not that I could see, not at all. That's all the questions I have. Facet then faced questioning from Oakley's attorney, Bruce Harvey. So after you heard somebody say something, Mr. Oakley walked forward, right? Yes, sir. And you could see him walking forward. Mm -hmm. He was walking normally, was he not? Yeah, he, was, he wasn't running or nothing. He wasn't running, he wasn't rushing, he wasn't aggressively running up to anybody, right? Right. Right, he was walking calmly and you could see him doing that, right? Yes, sir. And the next thing that you remember is you hear a bottle breaking over by the tree, right? Mm -hmm. Harvey starts by asking Facet if Oakley was walking normally. Facet confirms that Oakley was not running. Oakley's lawyer then pushes a little farther. He was walking calmly and you could see him doing that, right? Harvey asks. Yes, sir, Facet responds. This is the first report of Reginald Oakley doing anything calmly on the night in question. Paul Howard, of course, doesn't make a peep. Next, Facet answered questions from Sadow's understudy, John Bergendahl, the Miami attorney. You've previously said that several people from the limousine got out and went down the street, correct, Mr. Facet? That's what it says, yes, sir. And that wasn't the only time that you've made that statement, correct? I don't recall saying it, but it's in there, so I must have. Facet answered questions for three hours and 37 minutes. He appeared tortured the whole time. Skinny, pale, and nervous, the lawyers finally rest, and Facet takes a breath. Any other defendant? Any redirect? Reread. Re no, redirect. All right. May this witness be excused. Oh, no. Thinking that it's over, 
facet lights up for a moment. Then he hears Judge Bonner's next sentence. Is he under subpoena? We would like him we would have a right to recall. Mr. Fassett, it's possible you will be recalled as a witness. You can see the life leave Fassett's body. He crumbles, and the courtroom, not knowing anything about the limo driver's mental state, laughs. Uh-oh. <laughs> Dwayne Fassett disappeared after his court appearance. He never spoke publicly about Atlanta, Again, what was Facet's truth? What was he hiding? What was he scared of? Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings.
Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. After our initial call, I plan on visiting Dwayne Fassett's daughter, but she ghosted me. Forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Finally, close to the release of this podcast, I got her back on the phone. I am not trying to hinder you at all. Like, I love podcasts. I love this it. Nah. I, I really do appreciate it. about it, and when it pertains to me, I was like, oh, I do just speak from the truth in the heart. I did not realize, like, oh, they might use my name, and then I'm screwed, because if you found me, then anybody can find me. I understand why she's timid. Her family received death threats, and the trauma did something to her father's brain that can never be reversed. I try to assure her that all I'm looking to do is understand who Dwayne Fassett was before and after the incident. My dad loved Ray, and that was my problem with this whole thing. It wasn't that Ray was a football player. It wasn't like he was famous. He really liked Ray as a person. There was, like, other stuff that happened before that that made me doubt Ray. Like, my dad would sleep in the limo. Ray, why would you make him sleep in the limo? And not get him a hotel or not not think about his well-being. Exactly. My dad was retired. He went to Vietnam, then he was an ER doctor, then he worked at North Arundel as a phlebotomist, and then he finally was like, I'm going to retire, but he couldn't sit still. So then he had a friend that was like, I got this limo service. Dad was like, yeah, I'll do it. But he was just something. I was like, you should have never, you should have just sat home, went fishing. In Vietnam, in the hospital, Fassett was around death his whole life, but something about this was different. What was the source of his sadness, the depression that ultimately destroyed his family? Was it witnessing the murder of two men, or was it the aftermath, the pressure he felt to say or not say? I, I don't know if he lied. I, I know he didn't say, but that made me mad that you didn't say. This is a man who lived a I'm not gonna say it's hard life, but I mean, he was in Vietnam at 18, did two tours, came home, was an ER doctor, this, this, and this. And when I look at him on court TV, I was like, I don't know who that is. His eyes are dead. Like, that's not my dad. So I'm just glad because I feel like most people who have come to me or come to my family have always came to the thing. It's like Ray Lewis had nothing to do with it. He knew nothing. It was just a happenstance. No, that's not how I took it. That's not how my family took it. He had a part in it. Good afternoon. You may be seated. We'll come on. 
I understand the jury has reached a verdict. Is that right? All right, you may bring them in. On June 12, 2000, the courtroom filled, anticipating a verdict. Ray Lewis was not present. He was home, getting ready for training camp. The families of Joseph Sweeting, Reginald Oakley, Richard Lawler, and Jason Baker sat silently and prayed. I understand you've reached a verdict. Is that true? All right. I'll get the foreperson to give the verdict form to the deputy, and I'll review it, and then I'll get you to publish the verdict. That means stand and say it in open court. I'll get the defendants to please stand. Would you publish the verdict, please? State of Georgia versus Joseph Sweeting. Count one, murder. We, the jury, find defendant not guilty. They'll be excused. Count three, felony murder. We, the jury, find defendant not guilty. Count five, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant not guilty. State of Georgia versus Reginald Oakley, count two, murder. We, the jury, find defendant not guilty. Count four, felony murder. We, the jury, find defendant not guilty. Count six, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find defendant not guilty. The jury never heard Dwayne Fassett's original statement. But now that you've heard it, which version of the limo driver's story do you believe? Do you believe what he said on the stand? Or do you believe what he said to Clint Rucker the morning after the killings? And what do you believe when it comes to Fassett's depiction of Ray Lewis? Because Lewis has always said the same thing about Atlanta. What do you want us to know about that night in Atlanta? When you hear people say, well, you pled guilty to obstruction of justice, do you know what that, do you know what? Let me make sure everybody's clear what they quote unquote charged me with. The police came to me that night and asked me, do you know everybody's names that was in the limo? I said, no, I don't know everybody's names in the limo. And this is your limo? Yeah. He gets mad and says, yes, you do. Oh, you know, that's the problem with, you know, people like you, you know, y'all just ride around with anybody. Do you know everybody in the limo? I said, no, I do not know everybody's names in the limo. That's what I was found guilty of. That's the obstruction of justice? That's the obstruction of justice. That I told him I didn't know everybody's last names, first and last names in the limo. That's what the court put me in front of, the world, no factual evidence ever of me ever being in an altercation, ever. Lewis still won't talk with us, but I think he should. I think it would benefit him. Many people think Ray Lewis is a murderer. This podcast makes it pretty clear that is almost certainly not the case. Lewis tried to get Oakley in the limo. He tried to be a peacekeeper. So the question is now, how do we get Ray Lewis to tell us his real story? How do we get Ray Lewis to talk? Hey, 
Raven is a production of Tenderfoot TV and Journeyman in association with Odyssey. Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay are executive producers on behalf of Tenderfoot TV. I'm the executive producer on behalf of Journeyman. Alex Vespasted is our lead producer and editor on behalf of Tenderfoot Labs. Patty Cotter is our producer. Tracy Kaplan is our supervising producer. Paul Kusheri and Sydney Evans are associate producers. Original music is by Makeup and Vanity Set. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Cooper Skinner and Dayton Cole. Cover design and illustration by Mr. Soul. Trial archival provided by Court TV. Special thanks to voice actor Chris McCann. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum and Grace Royer at UTA. Beck Media and Marketing, The Nord Group, Ninning Moran and the Moran family, Russell Rathner, Alyssa Gozarka, James Yu, and Todd Baines. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. For more podcasts like The Raven, search Tenderfoot TV on your favorite podcast app or visit tenderfoot.tv. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Raven. If you want to listen to next week's episode right now, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus for early access. Tenderfoot Plus is available on Apple Podcasts or tenderfootplus.com. 